you and put you and Rachel been working together uh, to put some of these together, and uh, they've got a lot of different songs. I get the privilege of hearing uh, sometimes, so thank you for the the truth and the challenge there uh, this morning. Take your Bibles to the Book of Revelation, chapter twenty-one, this morning. Revelation chapter twenty-one. And uh, as you find your place, if you're able uh, to stand with us this morning, Revelation chapter 21, we'll pick up here in verse number 1, Revelation 21. Now, you you hear a lot of talk today about a a new world order, and uh, we're we're going to deal with the the real new world order that uh, we look forward to uh, here today. Revelation 21, verse number 1, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he shall dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. With that, I I want us to go to the Lord in prayer, and we're going to be dealing today with the New World Order. And uh, if you'll join me, let's pray and ask the Lord for His help. And uh, we so need Him this morning, and uh, without Him, all is in vain today. Father, I thank You this morning that You're with us, that Your presence is here in our midst, and we've been challenged, Lord, in song, and as we sing together as a congregation, as we've been challenged with uh, this special music. And now, Lord, as we open up your word and we come in worship of you, and Lord, we look unto you, we so need you today. I thank you for these wonderful promises here in the word of God. And they're just as real as we are right now. And one day we'll have, if we know you, the experience of of just being with you forever and ever. And Lord, help us today. Open our hearts. Lord, you know the needs of hearts. Minister at the point of need, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated this morning. I I mentioned a new world order, and and we hear a lot of talk today about a new world order. And it's been now for several decades that I've been hearing in uh, even presidential campaigns and uh, other advertisements this hope for a new world order. Uh, One of the things I I realize as I read the Bible and and, uh, look at the Word of God It's evident that the goal of Satan is to bring the world under his control. And so he is moving the world to what uh, the world today is referring to as a new world order. And Satan today is, is seeking and offering the world a peace, but as we know it's a false peace. And when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. 
is to prevail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. Now, Satan is going to offer peace through his control. And we've said a lot as we've been going through the book of Revelation. There are some amazing things today happening in our world. I, I preached this all of my life, but over the last few years, I'm seeing the fulfillment of the very things that we've been preaching about for some time. Satan is seeking to control the world. We're, we're dealing today with a new banking system and uh, the, the world of currency. There's a lot of talk about a world currency today. And, and uh, really, as you look at it, it's a, a currency of complete control. Uh, some of you may not be aware of it, but just with this new year, there are new IRS regulations uh, for reporting in our bank systems. Any transaction over $600 is going to have to be reported, and it's just amazing some of the controls that are beginning to take place. Uh, we're seeing control of the food supply, control of the energy supply uh, in 2022 uh, saw just a destruction of many food facilities and packing plants throughout the United States of America. Uh, we know the price of eggs has skyrocketed today. Millions of chickens have been destroyed. And uh, what we're seeing is control. We see this with the energy supply, skyrocketing energy, skyrocketing uh, prices on food. Uh, we, we have now groups today that are putting together a world constitution, a world government, and uh, a lot of what we talk about today uh, concerning the uh, climate control or the climate change. Uh, a lot of this is simply a facade to bring about the control of the world today and ultimately to lead the world to a one world government and a one world religion. And this is moving upon us very quickly. This is Satan's new world order. All of these controls are Satan's attempts to bring about his system and overthrow God and rule man. And that's what the book of Revelation is all about. Now we know that Satan is going to be defeated. I've read the end of the story. I like to sometimes when I pick up a book, I like to go to the last chapter. And I like to find out what's going to happen before I read the book. And I don't know if I should do that, but it, I like to do it. And I've read the end of the book. And here in the book of Revelation, as I read the end of the book, I, I know that I'm on the winning side. And, and I find that, uh, that Satan is going to be overthrown. And uh, Satan, he will make a final attempt during the tribulation. He will raise up an antichrist. I believe that antichrist is alive and living here upon planet earth today. We don't know who he is. But with the rapture, with the taking away of God's children, uh, Antichrist is going to be revealed and he will promise the world this peace, but he will lead to the world uh, to the brink of destruction. And uh, by the end of his terror upon this earth, the world will face the battle of Armageddon, the final war, uh, seven years of tribulation. And after that tribulation, Jesus Christ is going to return from heaven. We preached about this a couple of weeks ago in Revelation chapter 19. Antichrist at that point will be cast into hell. Satan will be bound for a thousand years and we will enter the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ where all of those Old Testament prophecies to Israel and about Jesus ruling upon the throne of David will be fulfilled. Now at the end of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, Satan is going to be released for a short season. Uh, we talked about the fact that it's, it's really a, a proof of the, the depravity of the human heart. 
Uh, many will be born during the millennial reign of Christ, and it's evident that uh, they still have that heart that is prone to sin. And in that perfect environment, you, you hear a lot of people take, uh, make the statement, if we could just educate people, if we could give them a perfect environment, uh, then we could do away with all the wrongs of the world. And problem is, you haven't changed the sinful heart of man. Man is a sinner at nature. A man is depraved apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's going to be revealed at the end of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Now, last week we covered Revelation chapter 20, verses 10 through 15. It's the great white throne judgment. And uh, the Bible teaches here about this final judgment of the lost. At the end of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, all of the lost through the ages will be resurrected. Uh, the Bible tells us they will be judged out of the books, the book of life. Uh, the book of life contains the names of all of those that have been redeemed, all of those that have trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And of course, the lost, as they are resurrected, their name will not be in the book of life. They will be condemned. And then there will be the book of the works. Every secret is going to be manifest. Uh, every thought and motive will be weighed. And all without the Lord Jesus Christ will be condemned eternally to hell. Now we talked about this last week. There will be no hiding in that day. There's no escape from God. There will be no excuses. There will be no second opportunity. And very sadly, the Bible teaches that many who claim religion, many who claim Christianity have a form of godliness, they have a head knowledge of religion, but no relationship with Jesus Christ, and in many cases, a secret life outside of church or a secret life out of Christian circles, all of that is going to be manifest on that day, and all without Jesus Christ will be condemned eternally. Now we come to Revelation chapter 21. And after the great white throne judgment, we have God's new world order. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3 to his disciples, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus said, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, God has promised an eternal city for all of His children. He's promised that His saints will dwell with Him for all of eternity. This is God's new world order that we're going to speak about today. I want to just put a disclaimer right up front. I'm going to fall far short this morning in describing what heaven will be like. I can't even come close with my words today to give an adequate picture of what the Bible portrays. I believe as the word of God says, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. I can't even come close this morning, so we're going to delve into this and we're going to do our best this morning with this new world order. In verses 1 and 2, Revelation 21, we speak of a new creation. I want to read these verses. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, as we move on in Revelation 21, Revelation chapter 22, it speaks of the eternal state of the believer. Uh, As we go through these chapters, you're going to see a beauty that is beyond the comprehension of man. You're going to see a joy and a peace that is really mind-boggling. Now, in verse 1, notice this statement here, the passing of the old. He said, for the first heaven... And the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. I'd like you to keep your place in Revelation, but go back just a a few books in the Bible to the book of 2 Peter. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, we read about this passing of the old. And there are several Old Testament scriptures that speak of this as well. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 7. And it reads, but the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. And then you go to verse number 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. What the Bible is teaching is that all of this earth and what we know here on this planet is going to be destroyed. This is all coming to an end. And you realize that all of the wealth and all of the possessions and all of the things of this life, it's going to be burned up. This earth will melt with fervent heat. The sin and the evil of this earth will be purged. Uh, You go back into the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, and God cursed this earth because of man's sin. Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17, God said, Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. Before God brings about this new world order, he destroys the old. And as Second Peter describes to us, uh, why would we invest in something that's going to be burned? Uh, Why would we put our whole life, our whole effort, our whole being? Uh, He says, because of this, we ought to look to serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So before the new, the old is destroyed. Now go back to Revelation 21. And in verse number 1, it reads, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And in verse number 2, I, John, saw the holy city New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Isaiah 66 verse 22 says, As the new heavens, the new earth, which I shall make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord. Now as the Bible describes this, you'll notice in verse number 2, he describes this as a holy city. Revelation 21 and 22 speaks of the beauty of, 
the purity, the holiness of this city. It will be beyond anything that man has ever known. In Revelation 21 and verse number 10, He carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and he showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, verse 11, having the glory of God, and her light was likened to a stone most precious, even like to a jasper stone, clear as crystal. God is describing uh, here this city, the holiness, the purity, the beauty of this city. In Revelation 21, verse 27, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. It's clear that this will be an exclusive city. It's a holy city exclusively for those that know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Now go back to verse number 2, Revelation 21. Not only is this a holy city, but it is a prepared city. He says, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. In John chapter 14, Jesus said to his disciples, I go and prepare a place for you. Now we know that he is a wise master builder. I've seen some pretty amazing and beautiful things in my life as all of you. I love to go to the mountains and see the rivers and the waters and the lakes and the birds and the animals. and What a beautiful creation that God has given. But I believe as I read about this city, there's nothing that we've known in this life that will even compare to what heaven will be like. Now all of us, he says, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. All of us can picture the excited bride. She plans the wedding. She prepares the special day. That day arrives and she fixes her hair. Uh, She places her makeup. She adorns the jewelry. She places and puts on the dress. And her desire is to look her very best for her husband. And this is the picture that God has given. So it will be as this heavenly city is unveiled. I I remember, I still remember very well uh, my marriage. I, I remember that wedding day. I can remember that day as I stood up here on the platform with the preacher and I had my brother and I had some friends and they were there with me. And I remember as I look back to the back of that audience and I remember as the bridesmaids began to come and uh, they were making their place to the platform. But then as I look back, the song changed and it's here comes the bride. And as I lifted up my eyes and I watched, and here comes my father-in-law and my dear wife-to-be. And I remember in my heart, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm not telling tricks or jokes here. It was precious. And as I beheld that, I began to weep right there. I tried to cover it, but it was a precious sight. It was a beautiful sight. Well, the Bible tells us of this heavenly city that it is as a bride prepared, adorned for her husband. Now, Abraham looked for a city. This is what Abraham was looking for. He was a pilgrim and a stranger here on this earth. Abraham realized that this world was going to burn up. 
Now Lot got this confused. Lot looked for a city like unto Egypt. Lot made his way to Sodom and Lot made his way to a city that burned. And that's what's going to happen to a lot of uh, people in their lives. It's all going to be wasted. But Abraham knew of this eternal city. And he gave much of the temporal as he awaited for the eternal. He believed that this city was a literal city. This was not a figment of man's imagination. Can I tell you that, friends, heaven is a literal place. It's not some figment or some fairy tale of man's imagination. It's a literal, eternal home of the redeemed. Now, here of Abraham, he lived just a short life on this earth. But that short life he lived in preparation for eternity. In preparation for this eternal city prepared by God. Here's a new creation. And as we enter this new creation, the Bible describes a new situation. You see, again, with the passing of the old, and with that passing goes the curse, and all that follows the curse. And so now, with the passing of that old and the entering of the new, look in verse number 3. We have this new situation. We have now the presence of God. He says, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. I believe this is the greatest aspect of heaven. You see, heaven would not be heaven without the presence of God. It's the presence of God that will make the difference. God will be with men. God himself shall be with them. They shall be his people. And he shall be their God. Uh, Think about this, the infinite, the holy God. God is a relational God. He created man for himself. He made man for a relationship. And I don't understand it or comprehend it, but God desires a relationship with man. And it was sin that destroyed all of that. When that curse of sin is fully broken, as that old is destroyed, as Satan and his demons are cast into hell, all that have rejected Christ are cast into hell. God will now dwell with man. Oh, what a picture. Revelation 21, look at verse 22. It says, I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And in verse number 23, And this city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. In Revelation 22, verse number 3, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve them. And they shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign with Him forever. Oh, isn't that a wonderful, wonderful thought? Did you realize this has been God's desire? In the innocence of the garden, the Lord God walked with man in the cool of the evening. But sin broke the fellowship. 
Adam and guilt hid from God. When God delivered Israel from Egypt, the Bible tells us that he went before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. When the tabernacle was erected and later the temple, God's presence was manifest in the holy of holies. All of these were pictures and types of Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, God with us, God tabernacling among man and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and yet the problem is that we are still veiled in these sinful bodies and uh, that sin that stands between us and God and thank the Lord uh, that we can be forgiven that we can have a relationship with him but we are still in these finite physical bodies that have been racked and havoced by sin in this cursed world. But for those that are saved, Christ born in our heart, Christ in you, but in heaven the full reality of the presence of the Lord is going to be manifest. You see, when that day comes, I'll never lie again. I'll never deceive again. I'll never have a wrong thought again. I will have a glorified body in the presence of Jesus Christ. When that curse of sin is gone, when we receive those glorified bodies, the Bible said we shall see him as he is. We will see the Lord in all of his splendor, in all of his holiness. He will be with us. He will dwell with us. He will tabernacle amongst us. This is the most beautiful aspect of heaven. Now notice in verse 4, Revelation 21, not only the presence of God, but the absence of grief. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. No more tears. Don't need to raise your hand, but how many of you cried this week? Life can be harsh. And the sin of this life brings with it misery. We grieve in this life. We grieve over loss and we grieve over our own failure. And we grieve over the hurts and disappointments of life. And when sin is removed, the Bible teaches there will be no more tears. No more death. The wages of sin is death. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And death passed upon all of us for all have sinned. It is appointed unto man once to die. Death has been that horrible enemy of man. There's not one person in this auditorium that has not been affected in some way by the death of a loved one, by the loss of a loved one. Uh, the pain that we go through, that horrible any enemy of man, not one person, if the Lord tarries, will escape death. Uh, if you go to 1 Corinthians 15, I'll, I'll read it, verses 54 through 57. It says, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. Uh, is the law. Uh, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, never in heaven another funeral or another loss or another separation. 2022, I, I was looking back at records. I did more funerals and attended more funerals than at any previous time in my ministry at Valley Bible Baptist. Uh, just the deaths and uh, the sorrow 
and the hurts. But no more death. No more sorrow. Life has been filled with sorrow during Christ's earthly ministry. We talked about it in Sunday school. He was known as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And he identified with man and he was moved with compassion and he wept with us and he knew our hurts and pains and loneliness and he came into this world tabernacled among us and he identified with all of that. But in heaven, that sorrow will be abolished. It will be erased as the curse is removed. No more crying. I think of the little girl. It reminded me of Naomi. She was always falling and skinning her knee. Clumsy. And I can remember her big puppy dog tears and she would come weeping up to daddy and I would just take and wipe away those tears and try to comfort her. And Methinks that when we get to heaven, I'm going to be kind of like Naomi was when she was that little girl and I'm going to flee to the arms of Jesus. And he's just going to wipe away those tears from my eyes. I think about the boy that broke his arm and he was in pain and he wept. No more broken arms in heaven. What about the woman with the broken heart because she had been betrayed? The man that miserably failed himself and others and the pain, the sorrow, all of it wiped away. And he says there in verse 4, no more pain, all of it washed forever. And doesn't that seem unreal? You know, we live in, in a world of pain, but God shall bring this to pass, no more pain. Uh, these old bodies, and you know, the older we get, the more the bodies creak. And you wake up in the morning, and it's like your body groans. Those bones, they got to come back together again. And uh, you grow old, and these bodies, they wear and they tear, and the old muscles and the backs and the aches and the pain, and all of that is going to be restored in heaven. There's the presence of God, and there's the absence of grief. But look at some beautiful things here. There are the fulfillment of promises. His promise is true. Look in verse 5. He's set upon the throne, said, Behold, I make all things new. He said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Think about this. This seems so unreal. But he says, These words are true. They're faithful. I said what I mean. And I mean what I say. I cannot lie. Just as sure as we are here now, God will make all things new. His promise will be completed. That's what he says in verse 6. He said unto me, it is done. It will come to pass. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. One day we're going to look back and we're going to see that every word of God was fulfilled in complete detail. And we've been going through that in Sunday school. We've been looking back at the first coming of Jesus Christ. And we can look back and see every promise fulfilled in detail. So it will be with the second coming of the Lord. He says, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the ending. His promise is true. Uh, verse 6, his promise is satisfying. The latter part, he said, I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. See, Christ is that fountain of water that satisfies. The woman at the well had lived her life in sin. 
She found out that Jesus was the living water and she pled, Lord, give me of that water that I never thirst again. In eternity, this will be reality. Nothing, again, will ever separate us from the Lord. Never will sin stain or come between us and we will be fully satisfied in that fountain of living water, the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse number 7, here's this promise, He that overcometh shall inherit all things. What is an overcomer? First John tells us it's one that has been born of God. See, one day we will see it completely. Never to face defeat again. And again, this promise reiterated, verse 7, I will be his God and he shall be my son. That's the best part about heaven. You see, as I read those promises and I look out over this, this audience, I'm just thinking, for those that know Christ as Savior, friend, just as sure as we're here, we're going to be in heaven one day. And there will never be another hurt or broken relationship. Do you know, I, I will never say something from this pulpit that's going to hurt you when I shouldn't have said something, or I'll never cut you or defeat you or deceive you again. And we will never fail each other. We in heaven in this perfect, wonderful environment where the Lord will be glorified in our lives. There's a new creation and a new situation. Now, as we come to this place, I want to call this another invitation. Because throughout the word of God, and here in the book of Revelation, you'll have these invitations. The Lord puts a contrast. I want you to notice this contrast between the saved and the lost. We said in the beginning, there's no in-between. The saved will have eternal glory. That's described in verses, verses 5 through 7. Eternal glory. We can't describe the beauty, the joy, the peace, the wonders of heaven. How wonderful heaven must be. As the song says, sweet home of the happy and free. If we could grasp heaven and what it's really like, uh, uh, no problem would we have suffering and sacrificing for Christ in this life. It would be worth it all when we see the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Bible's giving the contrast, but just as glorious as heaven will be, the lost will have eternal damnation. And he says to us in verse number 8, but the fearful. He's speaking of those without Christ. I gave the testimony of the atheist Bob Ingersoll. He died without Christ and he died in fear, speaking of that great dark beyond, the fear of what was coming. The unbelieving, it's ultimately unbelief that condemns us to hell. He that believeth not on the Son is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He mentions the abominable and sin is abomination to God. I spoke in Sunday school this morning. I don't think we can comprehend how horrible sin is to a holy God. He mentions all murderers. See, God looks upon the heart even to the hatred, to the envy, to the jealousy of the heart. 
whoremongers. He speaks of sexual sin. And we live today in a sexual revolution. And we have many today that are putting their fist in the face of God and say, God, my life is my life to live as I want to live. If I want to live in adultery, I can live in adultery. If I want to live in fornication, I want to act like I'm married before I'm married, I can do that. I can do what I want. If I want to live in homosexuality and pornography and lesbianism, I can do that if I want. No, friend, one day every knee will bow to Jesus Christ. and Men and women and boys and girls will give an account to unholy God. He speaks of sorcery. Uh, We talked about that's the word for pharmaceuticals, for uh, drug dependence, for addictions. We live in an addicted society today. Idolatry, idolaters, any worship other than the worship of the true Christ. Uh, uh, Sports, uh, pleasures, treasures, positions, people, all of that will be judged. But notice the statement in verse number 8. All liars shall have their parts in the lake which burned with fire and brimstone. See God. He's a God of truth, and he judges dishonesty. In reality, this list condemns us all because all have sinned. The wages of sin is death. The Bible says they shall have their part in the lake which burneth the fire and brimstone, which is the second death. But you see, when we recognize and we turn to repentance and faith to Jesus Christ, our sin is blotted out. And in the eyes of God, it's as if I had never sinned. I am justified through Jesus Christ. And the Bible says through that justification, uh, that wrath of God that I deserve was paid for by Jesus Christ. And I can have this gift. This greatest contrast serves as an invitation. He that believeth is not condemned. Through Christ, God offers a gift. What a wonderful gift. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish. If we could see how wonderful heaven really is, we would flee to the foot of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Bible says, He that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, heaven is so wonderful, but hell is so awful. There's a new world order coming. Where will you spend eternity? It's going to be based upon one simple thought. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Either you have Jesus or you don't have Jesus. And friend, when we talk about having Jesus, we're not talking about knowing about Him in the head. We're talking about a born-again relationship with Jesus Christ from the heart. Many will say unto me, And that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and thy name done many wonderful works? And Jesus will turn to them and say, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. But here's the key. I never knew you. I never knew you. You see, Judas Iscariot never had a relationship with Christ. Never was born again. See, we have a new world order. There's a new creation. There's a new situation. And here's another invitation to come to know Jesus Christ. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's his invitation. Every head bowed and every eye closed.